0: Church, there you are, and in your face on 3CR with James. On today's show, Alastair Ward from Pansy Productions joins us a bit later on the show. But kicking it off, we're going to hear some audio from Sunday's historic Trans Pride March here in Melbourne. They're heading towards Parliament House. I believe that we have Fung there amongst all the action. Fung, are you there?
1: Hi, James, can you hear me?
0: Certainly can. I can hear that atmosphere. It must be electric down there.
1: Yes, the crowd. Uh, we're, we're marching down Burke Street. Um, Sasha's leading a chant. Let's get loud. Let's get proud. Um, there are lots of uh, trans flags here, lots of signs. Um, yeah, declaring for love and trans pride, and it's amazing to be here.
2: I can feel it coming up the line. It's Sally here, Fong. I decided to stay on in the 3CR studios for a bit longer because it's just too awesome. You must be almost walking on air down there along um, or moving along on air along with everyone else. It sounds amazing.
1: It is an incredible um, atmosphere down here in the CBD. Um, the speeches were amazing. I think that got everyone really pumped up mm. and ready to take their pride down Burke Street. So, yeah, it's been a great... Great day so far,
0: and Fung, How many people do you think are down there?
1: Oh gosh, <laughs> I'm not very good at uh, maths. I'd say there are a lot of people. I'm not sure how many, but we have taken over Burke Street, yes. um, walking walking down towards uh, Parliament. So we've taken up the whole of Burke Street. Uh, we've stopped traffic, which is amazing. So it's been a, it's a great turnout today, that's for sure.
2: Excellent. And I was going to ask you know, sort of People who, you know, yes, there's lots of people in the march, however many. What about, you know, bystanders who are walking along? Because I heard lots of, you know, during the speeches, I heard lots of supportive, you know, car horns and things as as people went by. What about um, the reaction from people, you know, know, who just sort of going, oh, wow, or something like that?
1: It's funny you say that, Sally. I did have someone come up to me and say that, you know, they didn't know that the Trans Pride March was on today, but they were so glad to be able to uh, witness it and be part of it um, in order to support their 17-year-old young person at home. So, oh, now so that was really lovely to have that conversation. It's just
2: one thing like that that, you know, is just so uplifting. I'm sure there's probably many, many more. James?
1: Um Boom, I was just Uh, going to say, uh, I can hear some.
2: Yes, yes, you've got some people there.
1: (laughs) Yes, I've got someone here um, with me at the moment. I might ask that they introduce themselves to everyone listening on 3CR.
3: Hello, it's Miss Cairo here. Pronouns are she, her. You may have heard me a few weeks ago when I was uh, plugging my show, and I'm very happy to be here at the Trans Pride March.
0: Miss Cairo, it's James here. Um, Look, what's been the highlight for you so far?
1: So, Miss Kara James is just asking, what's the highlight for you so far today? Well, I've
3: just arrived here because I am definitely operating on trans time right now, um, but it's so glorious to see um, so many people here, so many young people especially, and also the weather is beautiful today.
1: Yes, so that was Miss Cairo just talking to us about, you know, the amazing young people who are here today, which I have to agree. It's been so great to hear from people like Jay and just so refreshing to see so many young people who want to stand up for themselves and also their trans peers and siblings. Um, and I don't know if you can hear now, Sally and James, that there's a band just behind us making uh, beautiful music and uh, accompanying the music. Uh, we've got uh, chants happening from the crowd, stand up for trans pride. Uh, I'll, just, I'll just play you a bit so you can hear. Go for it. So just a, just a bit of a taster from the crowd there for you.
0: Oh, Fung, it's incredible. Give us a bit more, please. It's Absolutely. just extraordinary to listen to.
1: So, we've just stopped uh, on Burke Street. We're not far away from Parliament. We're, we're standing still. We're chanting. We're declaring that trans, queer people are here. Uh, we, you know, deserve to have rights, deserve to be loved. So yeah, everyone's um, chanting and uh, I can see bystanders stopping and and watching and uh, yeah, it's a great atmosphere. I'll I'll play some more for you.
0: Oh, Mm. Oh yes, please do.
1: Just chanting there, no justice, no peace, no racist police.
0: Well, Fung, that is incredibly noteworthy that there are no police marching today at Melbourne's Trans Pride March. Of course, this, that has been a hot issue of debate for years with the uh, the mainstream LGBTIQ Pride March, and it's great to see uh, the Trans Pride March taking the lead on this issue.
1: Yes, definitely. Um, I do remember, you know, midsummer and other events... Uh, yeah they I think people just need to listen to communities um, and so yeah that chant really did send a message not only to the police but to everyone listening.
0: Sally, what are your thoughts on that trans people once again showing leadership?
2: Well look you know we've you know we've had to sort of um, stand up for ourselves for a long time there's been been allies over time and it is increasing over time but this just takes things to a new, I mean, I'm going to put in some historical perspective. I mean, as someone who's been out for a long time, early 2000s, trans people were pretty um, understandably anxious about being visible and there was a great group, Trans Melbourne Gender Project, that just put public ads out. We're having an interview picnic in Edinburgh Gardens and we didn't have a problem. So it reminds me of that, that, oh, someone took a leap of faith and we landed, this is another one. This is another step up and step forward for our trans and gender-diverse and allied communities today. Of course, we do have Fong at the, at the march. Fong, what's happening there now?
1: Well, we've got someone else uh, who would like to speak to everyone listening on 3CR today. Um, I'll get them to introduce themselves to everyone listening.
4: Hi, I'm Joss. My pronouns are she, her, and they, them.
1: Uh, what else do you want to know? <laughs> Joss, I mean, tell us about today. What have, what's been your highlight from attending the Trans Pride March here in Narm Melbourne? Oh, my God. Um probably
4: how many people, how many different gender expressions are represented today, Um, and just that everybody's together. Um, I don't know, as a trans person, I often feel like I'm fighting for my right to exist in society and to have us all together, um, existing together, and being proud of who we are is just an amazing feeling. This large family that we've got here in Melbourne, it's just fantastic.
1: And can you tell us uh, who's been your favourite speaker so far today? Um, Probably
4: Jay Wake, because (laughs) um, seeing trans kids being their true selves and being supported to do that um, always brings tears to my eyes, so yeah, definitely. The young people are the future, and seeing what our trans elders have brought about for kids now is just incredible, so yeah, I'm really hopeful for For the future for kids like Jay.
1: And for anyone who couldn't attend the march today um, what message do you have for uh, trans queer non-binary people out there?
4: Uh, Look I know that you may not feel safe enough to be here today or you may not have the spoons to get here but we are all marching for you. Um, We know that there's a lot more of this community around and uh, yeah, we hope. I hope that marches like this will uh, will encourage all of you to come out and uh, and join us and be with your trans siblings, um, and yeah, just show everybody how united we are and how flaming awesome we all are.
1: What I'm a really sure, Sorry. <laughs> what a great note to end on. Thank you so much, and enjoy the rest of the day. Thank you, you too. Thanks, 3CR. Thanks, bye. Uh, So we're just broadcasting live here from the Transpired March in um, Melbourne. Uh, We might throw it back to you, James and Sally, in the studio as we uh, catch up to to everyone else walking to Parliament. 3CR!
4: Next up, we have a person you don't want to mess around with. His name is Pharrell Sharma is a professional boxing coach and also a proud trans man. Pharrell Sharma is a motivational speaker who is passionate about gender equality. As a former professional boxing coach, he brings a unique perspective about the sport, motivating others about self-reflection and using movement within the ring to step forward in life as opposed to fighting. Welcome, Pharrell. (laughs) Pharrell,
5: Pharrell Sharma,
2: yes. If I had a drag queen <laughs>
5: that would be it. Okay, can we hear me? So I'm Pharrell, for those who, I don't think anyone here knows me. So I am a professional boxing coach, um, also transgender, and I forget about that quite often because it's not something I generally say. So, I mean, for those who do know me, just a bit about, just, I try to make it as, as short as possible, but I'm half Greek, half Italian, so we can just go on for days. And so growing up with my transition, you have to be, for those who may not know, you need to be approved by doctors, you know, psychiatrists, psychologists, and the list goes on. And so for me to be approved, you have to go through a checklist. It's kind of like a dating app nowadays, you gotta check everything off there. And so, not that I was good on that either. You know, doctors ask me, what do you wanna be in life? What do you wanna do, work, etc." And I said to him, you know, I wanna want a family, I want a wife, I want kids, um, and I wanna be famous. <laughs> and the doctor looked at me and she goes when you get a reality check then we'll help you so by that stage you know I my reality check was walking out similar to how it looks here and wanting to step in front of the first car sorry if this brings up any triggers or anyone I apologize so because for me you've taken away what I wanted in life which was to be just a just a man she said you won't be a man, you'll never identify as a man. You will never find a woman who loves you. You will never have kids and you won't be accepted in society. As a 16 year old young person, that's you just take away the dream. It's like telling your kid Santa doesn't exist. Oh shit, I just gave that away. <laughs> Santa exists, <for> the, <laughs> but you get my, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> You get my point, let's use a different example. <laughs> it's like telling someone, I'm half Greek, half Italian. Uh, a, a lot of our, my mum's generation, we, they were forced to get married. So it's like taking someone's life away before it begins. It, it's not something that I think is very healthy, nor is it, it's good. And, and, and for trans, it's quite common. Your life has been taken from you. You need to identify with the legal system, which could be doctor, psychiatrist, psychologist, government as I'm in front of the Parliament House. Notorious for saying the wrong thing, by the way. It's like you've got a, that checklist and if you don't adapt to their setting, you can't be you. Which is obviously why we are here today To, I don't like the word fight for our rights. So as a coach, I do train boxers. I train fighters and I love a good knockout and I love blood and you know, I like watching people get hit. But it's not how I train my athletes. It's not how I train myself. Because in the ring, it's, you know, as I'm sure a lot of us, you don't have to be in the community to understand this. All I've done my whole life is fight. Fight my family, fight my friends, fight people, and not physically, mentally and emotionally. Having to find my way through life just to prove, well, can I just fit in? And a lot of people assume, which is not a bad thing, because you don't know until you know, that just because I have a boxing background and I kickbox, etc. and I specialize in coaching, it doesn't mean I use that concept because I don't. Fighting for me is just constantly fighting myself. I'm in the ring all the time fighting myself, arguing with myself, with other people, with family. It's not healthy, but people assume because you can fight, you get somewhere in life. Again, half brick, half Italian, well, we can argue for days, but I'm kind of a little bit over that and it's not necessary for anyone in life to fight, but speaking about the LBGTQIA+, fighting is not what, my, my personal opinion, is what we need. I coach people in the ring to develop skills, aspects, ways to see something different in life to not fight, or else it's just gonna be back and forth. You punch, I punch, you kick, I kick, you kick, I scream, you yell, I throw, it just, it just it gets nowhere. But to respond, which is a more positive term for what I tell my fighters, we respond to what's at us. We work on different things. I like my little analogy. So I know a lot of people may not know how the boxing stance is, but you know, you punch, I punch, you punch, I punch, I get hit. And I'm bruised and battered as it is. So I found a way to stay in the ring with myself, but to maneuver, to maybe slip, maybe find a different way to step out of the way of something coming through. To maneuver and then constantly find my way again. Where the ropes are, find a way to turn off. To slip, step out of the way again. So I found my angles, I found a different point of view, I found a different perspective, I found a different way for myself to not fight anymore. How that relates to this is that we are who we are, as anyone else is, we shouldn't have to fight. My advice, which I have been saying since I started this because a lot of people are like we need more trans speaking up and I'm like yes, you know when you're in class you're like yes miss and you're standing there like anyone else, I've still got my hand up so I'm still up and it's always gonna be up because I don't wanna fight with anyone, I wanna be a part of the team because we are a team that we are going to continue to find different ways to maneuver around what's coming. Fighting is not what we need to do Strategy is what we need to do. Again, my opinion, some may not agree. To find ways around a better approach, strategies. We shouldn't have to because we're human. We should have the same rights and emotions and say that everyone else does. But because we live in society with creative humans, we won't swear, we, as as, as I as a coach, would always say that let's find a way, a, a better way to respond to what's at us. To be one, two, three steps ahead and to achieve the, the, the goals that we should achieve with greatness, and that it's not a battle and it's not a fight, but it's about being who we are and doing it in a way that's positive that we all deserve to be, because this generation is paving the way for the next generation. And I don't wanna see any more people lose their lives. And I was gonna save this for my next event, but I'll say it now, As this last th- this last year I've attempted three attempts of taking my own life because something that happened last year. And I thought to myself if I was going to leave the world, I wanna make an impact in this life that I could come back and visit in the next life that I know that today, whatever I'm going to do with everyone, with, not for, not with, for the community, with the community, because we do it together, hopefully, that in the next life when I do revisit, that that impact is still going and that's why we're all here today and as I say my hand's always going to be up to to support and again boxing is nothing to do with fighting it's about being an athlete and how we mentally and emotionally use ourselves so physically we can walk down that path safely and inclusively with everyone here thank you
4: Thanks, Thank Farrell. You for an honest
2: speech, um, we do want to acknowledge that if there was anything upsetting, in that please reach out to someone. Remember that Switch um, Q Life, including Switchboard in Victoria and Tasmania, is there 1800 184 527, and Rainbow Door 1800 729 3674. Phone SMS 0480. 017246. Um, we do need to talk about these things, but we understand yes. that they're there, but also want to acknowledge yes. Farrell's authenticity as well in that speech. She's
4: currently employed full-time in the government sector and also a full-time parent to her little sister. Being black, trans woman gives her the strength to strive for equality, pride and respect for all. Welcome, Mia Lee Spencer. Hi.
3: So, I just sat in water, so I didn't pee myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, first of all, thank you for having me here today. Um, I'm nervous as hell. <laughs> um, so, I want to start off by, I'm a proud Barkindji Wonka woman. Um, and that's one thing I've been fighting for, is black people. Um, but with my, my baggage, I'm also trans as well. So, what I feel is most important to trans people is being strong we've gone through so much we, we go down a long long dark tunnel and there's a light at the end of the way I promise you that I'm I've just returned from uh, Thailand after having gender reassignment surgery <laughs> thank you um, yeah so My transition started when I was a little kid Um, and in my communities being indigenous and I grew up a lot around a lot of drugs and alcohol and domestic violence Um, and to the point where I look after my beautiful little sister there uh, since she was five years old she's now 14 Um, I'm a proud parent uh, and also a proud sister Um, and I think I haven't been around in community. It's been hard for me because I felt, I felt confused and I felt like sometimes I just didn't fit in. Um, But that was my own, that was myself. Um, But now that I'm back, I want to start, I want to start living because I was isolating myself. Um, And I feel like we can all relate to that, isolating ourselves because we feel like we don't fit in but we do, and we're beautiful. And just always remember that, okay? Because we're strong. Um, I've got my beautiful partner over here. Um, He's the one that pushed me to go get my gender reassignment surgery. So thank you, I love you. Um, And my beautiful sister, and yeah, I'm just grateful and honored to be here today. And I wore this dress because I just wanted to show off my double Ds. (laughs) But thank
0: you. (laughs) Incredible audio there from Sunday's uh, Trans Pride March here in Melbourne. The very first Trans Pride March in Australia, which was organised by Trans Sisters United. And you can uh, hear the entire four hours of 3CR's broadcast on the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au. You are on In Your Face on 3CR. Patrick Fields there, gold energy you are, and in your face on 3CR with James. Up real soon, Alastair Ward from Pansy Productions, talking about their new production this moment in time at the Butterfly Club. But in the meantime, we're going to hear from Jamaica, Moana and Kevin with Vicious. I'm Vicious,
6: Vicious, I'm so big.
7: I'm I'm into it. I'm in business. I won't settle for anything, which is crazy. More than a lady, for my eyes, I'm so shady. Around the world, I invoke it. With a man, let him stroke it. Fry the chicken on the stove. Get all in your nose. Smell it. It's the rainbow, you know it's never the same, though. Fuck it, I don't give a fuck, bitch. I'm here and I'm ready to dump it. All of it, all over the floor now. Get ready, it's a showdown. Let's get a bitch to feel the hurt cat. Pussycat, dramatic attack. Oh! The kitty kitty cat the kitty cat cat kitty kitty cat cat cat
6: Jamaica. What's good? How you feeling? I'm feeling it. Me too. I know they are. I know. The voice you already know. I'm here. With the voice of thunder. What if I told you that this here is a bust? With Jamaica, put that shit on a shirt you Know that you're the shit when you never had a choice Well, ballroom in Down Under, you know that I'm the voice One, I've been feeling hungry Two, with the girls and they run with me I said three, today I am feeling cunt to tea And with a four, five, six, can't come for me Seven, I'm gonna take you straight to heaven My voice right here, I am the weapon Wanna try me, you can get to stepping Did you get approval from Kevin? Pussy pussy conca conca Pussy pussy conca Pussy conca 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 You, this, what, yes
7: Oh with the She hit him with the
6: ho Yes, Vicious bitch.
7: The Witch doctor. Hey. I'm on the hunt, ready for the bike, give me what I want. Feeling really vicious, oh, I am the
6: shit. I'm ready for anything that you wanted me to do. Feeling very vicious, only one that's in the room I'm Beyonce, Rihanna,
7: feeling all drunk and love uh, What's my name? Say it to me, we found love, baby
6: I'm, I'm Megan, I'm Nikki, the top bitch that will fit me Aaliyah, Ashanti, these bitches can't touch me <laughs> Kevin, you're Madonna, I'm Jamaica, Moana I'm the style inside of Doja Cat, so sweetie, we we'll all of that Oh! Drink it up, drinking the cup, yes, yes, get in the car, cock cock Running it up, drinking the cup, yes yes, getting the cock, cock. Co- the co- oh. Oh.
7: kitty <speaking> kitty cat, the kitty, the kitty, the
8: Kitty kitty kang 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 kitty kitty kang 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 kang, kitty kitty kang 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 kang,
6: kang kang. kang Take a break, you go miss this. I don't see the competition. Kick back with all of my sisters, then I will storm the because 'cause I'm vicious. Take a break, you gon' miss this. I don't see the competition. Kick back with all of my sisters, then I will storm the ball I'm vicious, I'm vicious, vicious, I'm so vivid, vicious, vicious, I'm vicious, vicious, I'm so vivid, so vicious.
0: Kevin there And Jamaica Moana With Vicious You are on In Your Face On 3CR with James Joined by Alistair Ward From Pansy Productions uh, His new production This moment in time Is happening at The Butterfly Club From December 5 to 10 Welcome to 3CR oh, Thank you so much For having me I'm so excited to be here Serendipity is the word I think of mm. When I think of Your production This moment in time I mean You went to school With the director And then by chance You've just been Working together On multiple projects Yes yes And you are hanging out with the uh, with the, uh, co-star, your co-star in New York City.
9: Yes, 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 yes. So it's one of those funny things where uh, the director and I, Mashaka, we went to high school together. We were the, uh, sh- uh, They were the year below me, but we always got along. We always knew each other. And then all these years later, we've come together and worked on all the Pansy Productions together, and they've worked on other shows with me as well. And then Ruby, the co-star, uh, we went to drama school together in New York. So it was one of those... Beautiful things where that was maybe six seven years ago, and then we came together in Melbourne, both being from Melbourne, and wanted to work together, and here we are. This moment in time explores conversations that you've had
0: in airport terminals with people. Mm. Tell us all about
9: it. Well, I needed to after the lockdown. I'm sure we felt this. Everyone felt this way that I needed to get out of Melbourne for a bit, and luckily I was able to have a trip back to where I used to live in London and New York and a few other spots visiting all my friends and. I, I'm always attracted to the moments in between, the years in between, the months in between, the things that we get to see all the big moments on social media, but what about everything in between? What about the the days and weeks that we hope and dream for things? And For me, along that journey, there were all the big parts of the trip, but sitting at airports and on airplanes, and there'd be a stranger that for three hours we'd sit there and not speak and then somehow something would happen and then we'd have a hour-long conversation or longer, depending on who it was, where we'd talk about our trauma, our life, our, our their kids our stories, uh, whether they're, you know, things with their partners. It was one of those amazing moments where it wouldn't happen in other circumstances. And yet, because you're both two people in that moment in that space, for some reason, we, we met and had that beautiful thing. And now some people still have Instagram. Some, it was that beautiful thing of saying, we'll never, we won't ever see each other again, but this hour, this moment was beautiful. And that's what I really wanted to focus on in this play.
0: And of course, we lost so much of that during the lockdown. Yes. And technology has taken a lot of that away from people as well. And we're having to reclaim it.
9: Yeah. Um, but it sounds really random. Oh, absolutely. Well, I think it was one of those things that I see with a lot of my friends and some family where, and I knew it was the same for me at the start of the year, that anxiety, that that social anxiety of being around new people, of talking to people, of, of having to, you know, be yourself in a, in a larger space. And it's taken me a few months, and now I'm much better and much more open but I, it was really challenging myself in those spaces to say, you know what, I want to talk to people. I want to put myself out there again. I want to I wanna to get to know new people and, and and have those beautiful conversations. And especially in the world we live in now, I feel like it's very easy to get divisive if we have differing opinions or if we have differing anything. And my favorite thing is to meet people of a different background or a different uh, opinion or political opinion and have a great conversation and, and understand that I may not be able to change their mind. But... I I'd love to have the conversation. I want to see where they're coming from. So what are some of those issues,
0: you know, those kind of feisty issues that come up in the play?
9: Oh, in the play, we definitely talk about mental health. We talk about grief. Uh, we talk about, for me, a big thing. Especially, I'm 27, and a lot of my friends are approaching 30. Some are already there. Some are loving it. Some are terrified. And for me, I get so excited because I watch my mum, who's you know a boss and living her best life. She's 52, and she shows me that every decade it just gets better. And so I'm not planning to peak anytime soon. I've got time. And in the play, I explore that. I explore the idea of the expectations, the pressure, uh, the 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 things that we focus on that we think we need to have ticked this many boxes by a certain point, when really the boxes just keep expanding, keep changing, keep growing as we get older. And that's what I like to focus on uh, when I write my plays. Yeah, and it sounds quite challenging because you're the artistic director, you've written it, and you're acting in it. What a trifecta. Well, absolutely. I think uh, because I started Pansy Productions during COVID, during the lockdowns, because I wanted to do it for a long time. I wanted to take control of my own career. I've been an actor for 10 years, and I knew that if I wanted to do something, I had to create my own work. If I wanted to work as an actor, as a writer, as a director, as a producer, that was the way to do it. And so this, so I'm the artistic uh, director and founder of of Pansy Productions and then for this specific show, this moment in time I'm acting, I've written it, I'm producing and then I've brought on Mashaka as director because I thought, you know what, I've, I've, I wanted to take a step back for one of the roles and really be able to focus as an actor and I've recently directed another show and also for me with Pansy Productions, I was, I've always thought how can I create opportunities for other people? How can I bring up emerging artists as something I've always looked for as an artist wanting opportunity and so so really, being able to create those opportunities for other people as well, and it's proudly queer. I oh, mean, absolutely. it says it yes. all. Pansy Productions. Hello, yeah, yeah. Well, I thought, how can I, how can I work a word? How can I something that 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 plagued me, you know, for my first however many years before I came out, and then now I own it. I love it. I always think as an actor, I have no need or want really to play straight characters. I love the idea of playing queer actors, queer characters, and I and I always do in my shows. And because it's such a huge part of my life, and I'm so proud to be a part of the queer community. Obviously being Trans Awareness Week this week, um, it is that space where I couldn't even imagine not writing characters, not writing plays that it just centered around queer stories. That's that's more exciting to me now and and, and I can imagine in the future. What's it like writing
0: a play and then acting in it? I mean, you must be constantly reevaluating what
9: you wrote. Oh yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. tell us about that. Well, I think it's a... Pr- this was the quickest, actually. This, it, it it was in my mind for months. It always is. I, I think about it. I change it, I you know, in my brain, especially as I was traveling. And then when I came home and then I ended up writing this play in about four days. Obviously, you know, there were a couple of weeks of edits after that. But it was one of those things where it just poured out of me. It was just the dialogue, the conversation, two people having a beautiful conversation about life and really growing between the two of them. That's what inspired me. And I think for me, I learned a long time ago that write what you know, I really believe that. And I feel like I have enough life experience, at least for the the short life I've had so far and enough growth and whatnot that I have enough to write about so it always stems to me it's usually like this show for example I can see myself I was reading through some of my journals I'm a big journaler and I have been for years and that's my mental health way that's how I get through my mental health all that kind of stuff is journaling and I was reading back journals from the last couple of years and there's so many similarities in this play to then so I've grown as a person but The character I'm playing, he's always connected to me. Sometimes he's a little broader, a little further, but there's always, all the characters have something from my life, I guess, and that makes it easier to write. So there's two of you in the play playing different characters. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow,
0: tell us about that.
9: Yeah, so uh, we're both playing two strangers that meet at the airport, have that moment, waiting for a delayed flight, and then one of us, uh, the other character, Ruby's playing Sam, and I'm playing Theo, and Sam is definitely uh, not in the mood, is trying to make up a big decision for her life, trying to work out where she's going as a human being, and Theo comes along and, and, and is trying to push himself, he's trying to grow as a person, and he's trying to communicate and, and, and learn how to... I I don't know, for me, sometimes I can be really shy and really not want to talk to anyone. And other times I'm full of energy and, and I'm ready to chat to strangers. And I wanted to kind of push myself in this show in that way and explore what it looks like when two people have never met before, have no idea who each other are, and yet can change each other's lives from a conversation. Because I've been lucky enough to experience that. So
0: it's just the two characters.
9: Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, how intense. Well, yeah, I let my last show, Drama School, play, which was based off... Uh, Ruby and I going to school together in New York. Uh, that had about that had seven characters, and I knew that was in February. And I knew following up this year, I wanted to do a smaller one. I wanted to be intimate, and I wanted it to be really focused on on the character driven story. So you mentioned your journals, uh, and you're a prolific journal mm. keeper. But
0: at the same time, the dialogue mm. for this moment in time just poured out. It's oh, almost yeah. as if like you know your subconscious was working and was remembering what was in
9: the journal. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, it's, I think it's one of those things I started journaling back when I lived in New York as a travel journal, and then it grew and grew. And I realized when I don't journal, my head's all over the place. I'm, I'm overthinking. I, you know, don't worry where know where I'm going. So I always tell everyone I know and love, I'm like journal. It is the best thing you can possibly do. And it's meant that now as a writer, as long as I trust the process, as long as I trust myself, I know it's all in there and it's, you know, it, it, you mull over it for months, sometimes longer. I have some plays in my head that I know I won't write for a couple of years, but they're all sitting in there. And that was the the case with this moment in time. It just poured out of me because it was all sitting there waiting to come. Wow. Tell us about the set. Oh, the set. I, I personally, I like to keep it uh, as, as oh, what's a good word? As not simple, but as, as core and and raw as it can be. So we're really focusing on the two people. It's, I want everyone to feel like they're in an airport. I want you to feel like it's that space. So there'll definitely be, uh, the, the tokens that follow an airport, I guess, and, and two people that are traveling. And the other part of this that is different from my previous work is we're Uh, crossing the fourth wall we're talking to the audience we're having monologues so just so anyone uh, listening you don't there's no audience participation you do not have to worry about answering back or anything like that but I really wanted to be able to go into the characters thoughts into their minds and see what what do we say to somebody while what are we thinking so what are the things we share with the world while at the same time keeping other things in our brain keeping other things in our overthinking space and that was that was definitely a, a, a thought
0: a great venue, the Butterfly Club as yes. well. Tell
9: us the backstory to how you ended up there. Well, for me, I, I kind of personally, as a, as an independent artist in Melbourne, I have a list uh, of theatres I want to work in. I have, especially in an independent space, and I've seen numerous shows at the Butterfly Club, always loved it. And what I love about somewhere like the Butterfly Club is it always surprises you as uh, a producer and the team when you get to see behind the stage. You get to see what it looks like in the green room, and and you know, and it's a huge, beautiful building with all the stairs and... Uh, it felt right for this show It felt intimate It felt like people can really Hopefully see themselves mirrored back From someone a few metres away and, I, um, and, and that's definitely been a show uh, uh, A theatre that's been on my list for a while You mentioned before you know, You've got a few plays in you What's yeah. next from you? Well, next, like I definitely, I've obviously written three plays and produced them and everything. So now I want to move forward and definitely try a short film, maybe a web series in the future. Um, It all, I see all my, all my stories, all my plays as chapters to my life. So, so far I've done a couple of different chapters. Uh, The next play, which will probably be on in the, in the middle of next year, is uh, is about four housemates living together. Uh, three out of four, I think, potentially the fourth, I haven't decided yet, is queer. Of obviously. And the four housemates really trying to uh, work out who they are, approaching 30. It's always approaching 30. I'll see what happens when I turn 31. Might change. But it is that space of watching four people in an intimate space. Uh, I've, I, I want to explore Peter Pan syndrome. I really like exploring uh, straight male characters or, or straight-ish male characters who are the future men that we want to see. And, and, and I have friends that are these beautiful men who explore their sexuality and know who they are and are comfortable in femininity and and are and a proud feminists and so I really like to write characters like that and how they kind of grow as well so that's I think my next direction.
0: Peter Pan Syndrome yeah, tell yeah. us about that.
9: Oh Peter Pan Syndrome I feel like it's that classic thing where I've seen people from you know high school or life or whatever and generally men who, who can't grow up who are stuck in a space in a time and living as though they're, you know, teenagers still, but the world is saying, you got to grow up. And it's a funny thing, because I find in the queer community, for myself even, I've heard a lot that space where a lot of queer people didn't get to be teenagers in the freest way possible. So in their 20s and 30s, they will live it up and live their best life. So I wonder, I don't know yet, I don't know what that looks like, whether it's a, uh, it's its own thing within the queer community, but I definitely see with uh, with straight men I've known in my time, uh, that... that Trying to catch up to that growth, I guess. Sounds like a really fun play. Well, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely the goal. I like to, I like people to feel joy. I want people to feel. Uh, definitely feel that they're seen in different stories. A lot of my audiences are straight people, are cis people, um, and and there's so many people who come to me at the end and say, I've seen myself in that character. And it was a gay man or a queer woman or a whoever. And I love that. I love that it doesn't matter who somebody is or what their story is, especially if it's in the acting or art world that I write about, but these could be nurses or lawyers or teachers or whoever who get to see themselves represented on stage. Tell us about your co-star in this moment in time, Ruby. Ruby. Ruby is fabulous. Ruby and I, yeah, we've known each other for a long time now. I still remember when we met each other at drama school. Uh, she started a few months before I did, and then uh, she was in a different... She was in the fall class, I was in the winter, and then we came together for second year. But we originally, it was that sense of, oh, another Australian, hang on, what's going on here? And then, and then over time, she was there for my 19th birthday party in New York. There were so many layers to it. And then the last few years, we caught up. She moved back to Melbourne just around COVID, especially with COVID happening. It was like, no, be with her family because she stayed in New York for eight years. And then we caught up a couple of months ago and just had this beautiful conversation. I said, I'm, I'm writing this play. What do you think? And we, had a, we talked about it and I was able to write the play, write her character uh, connected to her, connected to her voice. And I really wanted her to feel like she could play an authentic version of, of someone she could be or would be. And I'm always around, how can I write, you know, not just strong women or strong characters, but complex people, complex women, uh, layers and, and and whatnot as best I can. So, so, yeah, it's such an exciting thing and it's beautiful. I've seen uh, teachers from drama school in New York commenting on Facebook posts, just so excited, and friends, of course, who are seeing that all these years later we're working together. It's pretty amazing.
7: Did
0: it help knowing each other beforehand in this intense kind of production?
9: Oh, absolutely. Especially with this. It's been a short-term thing because I didn't want to spend a long time in a rehearsal room because I thought, no, we're we're supposed to be two strangers. I want it to feel authentic. I want it to feel raw. And the beautiful thing is because we, we've known each other for such a long time, we got to skip all the... Who are you? Why are you? What are you? We got to just go straight to the space of trust and straight to the space of we know each other, we can bring each other up, lift each other up in this and support each other if need be. And already it's beautiful, it's flowing in the rehearsal room and out. It's it's a dream. Well,
0: it sounds like a really fun, intense, um, challenging and kind of, you know, really multitask production for you being the artistic director, one of the actors and the writer. Alistair Ward from Pansy Productions, thank you so much for chatting with me today. And people can see your wonderful show this moment in time at the Butterfly Club, December 5 to 10.
9: Thank you so much for having me. I so appreciate it. You are an in-your-face on 3CR, and here's Queer Queerbait.